When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's go. Hour number two on this Monday. Hope you're having a great start to March. We get to championship week. Longhorn men beating Kansas over the weekend, setting up a number two seed. They also got the exact help they needed with a Baylor and Kansas State loss. So they play 6 o'clock on Thursday. Texas women get the number one seed. They win the regular season title. Friday, they'll play at 1.30. They play the winner of Tech and K-State. The men play the winner of Bedlam, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. In case you didn't hear, uh, Big12Sports.com if you want to check out all of those brackets. Uh, obviously, we talked Combine as well. Bijan and Roshan and the show they put on yesterday. And yes, Texas baseball dropping two out of three at Cal State Fullerton. Uh, a lot of stuff on the board. I'm Chad Hastings. Isaiah Collier is here. He's ready for championship week. He's pumped about it. He's also a little upset that Jabari Rice got third team Big 12. Come on, conference. What are you doing? You, you can't watch Jabari Rice and realize he's a second team player. Jabari Rice was so much better than Gabe Kausher this year. Come on. That's a joke. Come on. He certainly looked good uh, on Saturday, did Jabari Rice, leading Texas with 23 points. To get into that and some other Longhorn stuff, let's get to the Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina hotline. It's our normal Monday visit with Joe Cook of Inside Texas and On3.com. Joe, how are you? Doing great, guys. Thanks for having me on. It's uh, it's that busy time of year, and it's a lot of fun. Man, it it, it really is. I know you were over there covering the start of spring practice for the football team. We will get to that. Let's work our way to the good stuff. I'll start with the the bad stuff with the baseball team. Give give the fans a thought. What would you tell them right now about four and seven and dropping two out of three at uh, Fullerton? You know, one thing I've noticed is aside from that Vanderbilt game, the Sunday game up in uh, Arlington, there really haven't been any clunkers uh, in the other 10 games. But, you know, in those other 10 games, there's still been six losses. So uh, it's been, you know, a real up-and-down year to start, especially with a really young squad. Um, What there's still going to be a lot of evolving, whether it be roles, whether it be uh, batting order, whether it be the pitching staff, there's still a lot uh, of moving parts for this team, um, and that's something that we weren't really used to in these past couple of years. Everybody on the previous two teams, 2021 and 2022, you kind of had an idea of who was going to be in what role. Um, this this year, it's still a little bit in transition. I, I don't know off the top of my head how many different lineups David Pierce has thrown out there, but it's been quite a few. Uh, so, you know, th- this I think we're going to learn a good amount about uh, this team's resiliency in the next couple of weeks. The schedule is kind of packed as far as game volume uh, with, let's see, you got five games this week and I think five games next week. Uh, but the, the quality of opponent, um, it, it does go down a little bit. Uh, there aren't any SEC teams coming in. There's, uh, I think, Mercer, I think, Camel, uh, I think, Manhattan. 
you know, these are a, a few low major te- teams that are making their way to Austin. These should be winnable games for this team, and, and that's really important to, you know, help them get back on track and get a little bit of momentum and confidence early in the year for them before they start conference playoff big with, I think it goes A&M and Texas Tech or Texas Tech in the midweek at College Station. So real important stretch and a stretch where they need to win a lot of games. Joe, for this basketball team, the regular season is over, and it couldn't have been better on Saturday, beating a really good Kansas team that's looking for a number one overall seed by 16 points. And even though Timmy Allen and Marcus Carr only gave you six, what Tyrese Hunter and Serge Barry Rice did, 23 for Rice and 20 for Hunter, that's huge for this time of the season. And with those two losses back-to-back, Baylor and TCU, you need a game like this for Rodney Terry and his ball club ball club going into the Big 12 tournament because you need to be on that momentum streak and the fact that they beat everybody in the Big 12 at least once you gotta love that going into the tournament yeah absolutely I mean I heard y'all talking about it earlier it's the best team in the or the best conference in the nation and Texas didn't get swept by by anybody Uh, in fact they swept a few uh, I think three teams so a uh, really great year. Uh, you know, you have to give a shout out to the seniors who stuck around and who really carried this team in the midst of all the various Chris Beard stuff that was going on. Um, as it pertains to Saturday, you know, I, I think if you watch that game, you'll you'll note that Texas basically dared Jalen Wilson and uh, Dewan Harris to basically score sixty points. Uh, they were, you know, pretty tough on KJ Adams. Uh, they, you know, Bill Self's a guy who's going to create some shots for Grady Dick, and he did on a couple of occasions, but they, they wasn't falling for him, and he wasn't really getting open. Uh, Kevin McCuller was kind of, you know, he had an off game. So I think Rodney Terry said, hey, if, if Jalen Wilson is going to score 23 and, you know, Dewan Harris is going to not reach double figures, uh, combine that with the rest of the game plan, that's a game that the, we can win. And it worked out really well. Uh, kind of conversely, you know, I mean, the guys that uh, Kansas was, I guess, content to let get theirs did. Uh, you know, Tyrese Hunter coming on strong at the end of the year, that's that's huge for this team, um, just so, you know, some pressure is taken off of Marcus Carr uh, as far as, you know, a few different ways, a few different methods. And then Jamari Rice just continuing to be Jabari Rice, sixth man of the year, very obvious, a guy who, just does so much and almost the limited amount of playing time that he does get. So just a, a really great win, really important to lock up that two seed uh, and not have to play, you know, earlier than, than they would have wanted to. And, and also you get the advantage of facing a team that's going to have to have played the night before. And that always helps. So uh, really, really good there. And uh, you know, that's the highest finish in the big 12, I think in the 10 team era, the most wins in that same era. So, Really great year for Rodney Terry, the the seniors in the entire program. Yeah, I was going to ask you what you thought of the uh, what you thought of the bracket there, Joe. Obviously, they play the Bedlam winner first, but after that, they may have to take a tour of the state of Kansas, uh, kind of like they did in the regular season, going back to back. There, it would be K State and Kansas if the seeds hold. Uh, what do you think about their chances uh, in Kansas City of uh, maybe getting a couple wins or more? Yeah, you know, I, I don't think any team really wants to see Oklahoma State right now. But, you know, you have to balance that with the fact that no team really wants to see Texas right now. I mean, if, you, if you're if you on Selection Sunday and you're that 15 or that 14 or that 10 or that 7 that sees Texas in your bracket, you're not feeling good about making the second weekend. So 
Texas is that team that no one wants to see, but I, I, I do know that um, Oklahoma, can, can they can jump up, uh, but I feel like Oklahoma State's been a little bit more consistent uh, throughout the year. Um, and then, yeah, you, you may have to end up facing down with the uh, Kansas State again. They've got two, you know, first-team All Big Twelve players. They got a great point guard. Uh, but you know, you 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 really you, you try to emphasize all the stuff that worked in that second matchup in Manhattan, and uh, just forget completely about that first one in in Austin because that was the only real clunker. And obviously, it goes down as the only loss uh, at home this year for. Uh, the men's basketball program. So uh, I think you feel good about it. Um, you know, I, I'm, I, I know that the Big 12 tournament is not terribly important for a team that already knows that it's going to be a two or potentially a three seed. Uh, but also you have to remember, and this is what I always tell people, that these are high-level athletes. They don't go to these events just to participate. Uh, they go to win. Uh, so if you're going to show up, you might as well try and win it. Uh, but I think you also have to admit that, hey, getting a couple extra days uh, to to go home and rest and recover, it's not the worst uh, consolation if if they don't end up cutting down nets in Kansas City. Yeah, you can also look at it both ways, Joe. Baylor, they lost in the Big 12 tournament to Oklahoma State, ended up winning the Natty. Then Kansas last year ended up winning the Big 12 tournament and winning the Natty. So you could do both. But let's go to spring football. You got a chance to talk to Steve Sarkeesian today and first open practice. And what stood out from your notes, Joe, is the fact that Sark just plain said Xavier Wordy had a broken hand for a majority half of the season. And first thing I thought about was, why the hell were you throwing it to him so much? I know a lot of Horns fans were thinking the same thing. If the guy has a broken hand and we're giving them or going to him so much and you see that it's not working, it doesn't make much sense. So why would Sark come out and say this now? You know, it's a really good point, um, a really good question. You know, Sark's been in the NFL. Uh, He knows that, you know, whenever a, uh, let's say, a wide receiver only gets, you know, 10 10 periods done out of the whatever 24 it is, he goes down as questionable. And he's got to announce it as questionable. It's required by the league. That doesn't exist for college football. Uh, a guy could be questionable. A guy could be doubtful. A guy could be out. And we don't find out until um, the you know maybe the day of the game. And he's got no uh, requirement to, to let us know. And I, I get that from his perspective. Uh, and to and also to his credit, he mentioned today, like I don't want uh, opposing teams maybe targeting that injury. Uh, if he's able to play, then you know that's that's something that opposing teams don't need to change their scouting report to maybe affect what we do. So I, I get that, but Xavier Worthy kind of became a very polarizing figure last year as a result of this. And, and granted, you know when you got a broken hand, and this is what Steve Sarkeesian mentioned. When you got a broken hand, it's tough to catch football. Uh, that I, I completely understand, and I do give a lot of credit to Xavier Worthy for you know not he, he could have said something himself in the era of NIL, social media, all that stuff. He could have come out and said, "Hey, you know, by the way, I'm having going through this issue with my hand, and uh, that's why it's not working out so well." But he didn't, so I, I do give him a lot of credit for that. And you know, he was uh, one of the first players out there on the field today. Uh, you know, showing up for practice. At the same time, you know, we saw that there was enough uh, deficiencies in, in Xavier Worthy's game that weren't just related to the hands um, that last year to note that, you know, he's got to get it going. And maybe that leaked over, whether it be physically, mentally, whatever it is, and 
that's understandable. But uh, at, in, in, you got to wonder why, you know, is it a Xavier Worthy thing? Is it the rest of the wide receiver core thing that there was nobody else that Sark felt comfortable playing as much as he did, uh, you know, in, in Worthy's potential place, uh, even with that injury. So I guess the good news is, is that's, that's in the past and uh, Worthy is now going through spring practice and going through it like a man on a mission and what's going to end up being probably a contract year for, a uh, player who very likely fancies himself a three-year player. Yeah. Before we leave this topic, the quote that would drive me nuts if I'm a Texas fan is this one. Quote, I felt like he was the best option for us. Okay, wait a second. You felt like the best option at wide receiver at Texas was a guy with a broken hand in 2022? Yeah, that's a big question. Wow. Joe, that, is, that's, that, just, yeah. that would stagger me if I was a fan today. It would also maybe stagger me if I was still a member of that wide receiver room uh, yeah, from last year that uh, who are, who's back again this year. And I know I, I, a lot of uh, the shape of the offense probably changed when Isaiah Mayor went down for an injury last year. And, you know, there's nobody on this team that provides the same level of uh, a combination of speed and skill uh, like uh, Xavier Worthy does. But, yeah, what is that? What, and I think that was something that we did – maybe notice in real time, and now that we have a little bit of background to it, we, I mean, they ran a bunch of 12 personnel for a reason. And, you know, you could have run a bunch of 11 personnel with, um, you know, Jatavian Sanders, but they didn't feel like they had three wide receivers. So they only put two on the field, and one of those two happened to be Xavier Worthy with a, a, a an injured hand. So I think we saw the effects of it in real time, but I don't. it, it doesn't seem like we – knew the reasoning behind it in real time, and we just figured that out today thanks to uh, Steve Sarkeesian and uh, his injury reporting policy. Wow. Joe, I saw that you put out the injury report that Sark said today when he was at the podium, and one that just sticks out is Malik Murphy. I mean, still? Still he's injured? And obviously, you know, Keelan Robinson and, uh, excuse me, Jonathan Brooks, which means for Cedric Baxter, that gives him more opportunity to show what he could do. But, man, back to Malik Murphy, is he, how is he still going through, I'm guessing that's the ankle injury, or is it something different? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Uh, it, it sounds like it's still the one that bothered him uh, back in, in, in high school. I think it was suffered during the state championship game and the – tail end of the 2021 season and you know it limited him in the spring of last year it still limited him some in the fall but you know he did still move up to the backup quarterback role even with that all going on last year now you know he's not complete it's a it's an odd situation because he's not completely out of uniform you know there are a couple guys who uh you know go through drills and then you know or excuse me they go through stretch and pretty much right away, they take their helmet off and go to a portion of the, the practice facility that's got weights and stuff for guys rehabbing injuries. He's still, and granted, I think this is a, a plus more than anything in the credit to, to Murphy, that he's still hanging around watching the quarterbacks go through drills and, and seeing, you know, what he's getting the mental reps. Uh, but at some point, man, he really wants someone like him to start taking the physical reps and the more and more things that are uh, da- hampering him, especially with the, the talent at the top two, uh, in the quarterback room, at least as it was shown today, uh, you you want to see that guy get on the field and prove his worth, uh, as opposed to just you know 
standing around and not doing much. Talking with Joe Cook inside Texas on 3.com and again at josephcook89 on Twitter if you want to give him a follow. Uh, Joe, did you get to check out Bijan and Roshan at the Combine? Uh, what'd you think? And uh, we haven't talked to you since the, the defensive guys went as well. Uh, five different Longhorns. I thought they all looked pretty good. Uh, what, what was your assessment? Yeah, I, I don't think uh, Bijan was going to run the 40 in Indianapolis without knowing uh, that he was going to run a good time. Um, so as soon as we heard last week that Bijan planned to run the 40 in Indy, I was pretty optimistic that there was that the first number after that four was either going to be another four or a five. And that's how it worked out. Um, you know, we've watched enough Bijan Robinson to, to see that you don't need to know how fast his 40 time is. To know that he's a great player. But if any NFL front office, for some reason, and it's, you know, wisdom about running backs these days, which I think is, you know, still wisdom nonetheless, if they had questions, that that answered it uh, big time. And, you know, he goes through drills, does everything, uh, you know, magnificently as he normally does. I think he solidified – he was already a first-rounder, but there's no way anybody's dropping them on on their boards uh, after that week. And and I think that's why you're – He's not going to do much except be a uh, uh, smiling face uh, Thursday at the Texas Pro Day. Uh, with Roshan, you know, I think he put together some really good numbers. Um, I, I think, you know, Daniel Jeremiah and a lot of the other guys there were offering him a lot of praise. And, you know, the only real detriment to, to Roshan is just his, his short track record, and that's because he operated as 1B to uh, whether it be Keonta Ingram or, or B. John Robinson for his career. So uh, definitely a guy who's going to find his way onto a team. Um, I think Morrow, or excuse me, I think Keandre Coburn and DeMarvin Overshone did what they needed to do. Um, I don't know if they were going to really elevate themselves into something special. Uh, those guys have always kind of seemed like they're on the way towards being day three guys, maybe really early on day three. Uh, but I thought Morrow Ojimo made himself some money. Uh, he, he put up some good strength numbers, put together a really good 10-yard split on the 40 um, good broad jump stuff like that. Uh, uh, so, uh, and remember, this is someone who's still pretty darn young. I don't know if he's even 22 quite yet. Uh, so, uh, he's someone who I think showed a lot during his his combine uh, showcase. And you know, I, I I thought that maybe he was one of the guys who'd be flirting with that late day three and maybe very highly paid as it comes to undrafted free agents go uh, as an undrafted free agent. But I think he may have done enough. Thursday and in tandem with a good day on, or, or I think he may have done enough last Friday in tandem with a good day this coming Thursday to our team is going to be thinking about spending a pick on him just because of all the, you know, intangibles that he does bring to the table. And plus he had a really good year. I mean, second team, all big 12, there's some good defensive linemen. He's bounced around so many different roles on that defense and he played tackle really darn well this year. So I think he, uh, he and Bijan probably helped themselves the most of the Longhorns who were up in Indy. Joe, is there anybody on this coming pro day that we didn't see in Indianapolis that you expect to get out there and just try to improve their stock, even if they have a stock at all? I mean, I know Deshaun Jameson, he's one of the first players that comes to mind. Is there anybody else besides him? I think it's got to be him. Um, I think – you know, he was a little bit snubbed uh, going to uh, not getting an invite to Indianapolis. He's going to post some fantastic athletic times. Uh, he's one of the most explosive athletes on the team or was 
this past year, and uh, he can also offer you a lot in, in the special teams part of the game. So I, I think, you know, I doubt that uh, uh, Roshan and Bishan, neither need to really do anything. Uh, DeMarvin Overshan may try again, um, get a better opportunity at some of the different times uh, at a familiar place. Uh, but it's definitely um, Deshaun Jamison for me as someone who uh, is going to have to make the most because this is his opportunity. This is his combine. Um, and I think drills for him are really going to be important just because, you know, he, he has all that explosive athleticism, but uh, the, the drills part, the football player part, is what teams probably want to see a little bit more of. Um, and I think he'll be able to showcase that pretty well. Uh, but that's that's kind of it. I mean, Anthony Cook obviously is going to, give it a go. Um, I think that he's, you know, if, if he had Deshaun Jameson's athleticism in addition to the, as good of a football player he is, man, he'd be, he would already have been an Indy, but I, I think he'll give it a go. Um, but, but outside that group, you know, it doesn't seem like there's a, maybe, uh, maybe old Daniel Trejo gets a few punts in and, there it is. and gives it a shot, but <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, you, you thought you were done talking about him. No, I'll bring him back. Uh, but, uh, that's. I think it's Deshaun Jameson who's really got to make the most of this uh, upcoming pro day. Yeah, and for people that missed it, when Stacey Dales of NFL Network asked Bijan, "Hey, what are you going to do with the pro day? You going to you going to do all this stuff again?" He's like, "Nah, I'll be there to support the guys." Once he got those numbers in Indianapolis, uh, he let he let him know that uh, yeah, he'll be there to support them this Thursday, but he will not be taking part in uh, in all the activities. That is Joe Cook inside Texas on three dot com at Joseph Cook eighty nine on Twitter, and it is underway, Longhorn fans. Spring practice gets going, and there's already a crazy story for you to talk about. Joe, we always appreciate it, man. Have a good week, and uh, we'll talk next week. Awesome. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks, Joe. There you go. Joe Cook. And again, uh, if you missed it, the first big story of the year, in addition to some of the injury stuff that Zay was asking Joe Cook about, Steve Sarkeesian told the media that in the back half of the season last year that Xavier Worthy was playing with a broken hand. Quote, he was in a cast for about eight weeks roughly, so to get him back out there practicing full speed was awesome. He also said there were days in practice where we purposely didn't throw him the ball just to take some of the pressure off of it. And uh, we had we had a texter that was texting in. Maybe this was Sark's way, in a way, Sark's way of trying to take pressure off of Xavier Worthy from the criticism that he was getting during the season. But that that's a timing issue, Zay. You would have had to do it then, right then. And you would have had to let everybody know as you sat him for a couple weeks. Yeah, because you could do it. To let him rest or yeah, something. Yeah, the season's over after the Alamo Bowl where he showed – that he really had a broken hand then with those huge drops, like wide-open passes. If you make Quinn Ewers say, dadgummit, which that's not what he said, but right. if you make him do that, and we know how Quinn Ewers, like, he's very a quiet guy, then it's serious. And those drops that he had, tell us then. Tell us then, because you saw that he was getting killed online by everybody. Like, we came in the next day and we talked about Xavier Wordy from changing his number and saying, man, what we saw of that game, that ain't it. That ain't it. For a guy of his caliber, that ain't it. It makes a lot more sense now, but then it goes back to Sark. You're in charge of the play calling. You could have mixed it up more to put less pressure on him. Yeah. 
Instead of by going at him all the times that you did, which didn't work out. Yeah, and I'm interested to go back and listen to all the back and forth with the media because the the story I'm reading here, and this is from KXAN, says, when asked why the injury wasn't disclosed, Sarkeesian said he and his staff didn't want opponents to find out. I get that part of it, but the the, the most logical question would be, why are you throwing to a receiver with a broken hand? Why? And then, in a way, he explains it and says, you know, um, to, to say, I felt like he was the best option for us. And to what Joe just said, if I'm another receiver in that room, Zay, if I'm one of the two guys from Indianapolis yesterday, did we watch Bijan and Roche? We just talked about it. Roshan Johnson would do anything for the ball club. The man literally said, I don't want to play quarterback. If y'all don't need me there, I'll become a running back. So he'll go catch some passes for you if you need him to. Roshan, Keelan Robinson, obviously Bijan Robinson. Like they barely gave Jordan Winnington the ball this year. The tight ends. I mean, yeah, I don't I don't understand. Yeah, right. If you're those guys, if you're back from this team. Underneath stuff, drag stuff, quick slants, just get the ball in their hands. Wow. That's yeah, that that is that is absolutely crazy. All right, so first day of spring practice, and we find that out about 2022. Now we've got to unpack all that, all that discussion. Let us know what you think on the specs text line 337-3776. 40 days away from the Texas Spring Game. Up next, let's get you a Flex 30 segment. Stony Point and San Marcos out of the playoffs. We'll tell you how it happened. Plus, some local guys showed up at the Combine. We'll tell you how they looked on the horn. Chad and Zay. All righty. That's right. You're darn right it is, Stephen. Stephen Piercy and the gang. It's Rat from back in the day. This is the first Rat song I ever heard. Round and round. Why do they call themselves Rats? Or uh, two T's? Well, you know, because it's, it's badass. All right. That's why. I don't never heard the story of why the why the two T's. But, uh, yeah, they had all kinds of... Uh, they had, there were rats in this video. Yeah, oh, gross. Had to have rats in it. First couple videos. Milton Burrow was in their first couple videos. He was somehow connected to the band, and he was uh, in the early part, too. Never saw Rat live. I always wanted to, especially the tour where Poison opened up. So you had Rat and Poison in the oh, same. Solid. Yeah, I yeah. should have seen that show. I didn't. Rat, The Cars, and Richard Marks. Did the main singer go, you know what? We need rats in our video. Let's go down to the Jacksonville Jaguars facility and see what they got going on. <laughs> I think they did. Yeah, yeah, I think they were in Jacksonville. You know, see how that was Somebody going. on the Specs text line last week said it was one rat, Zay. That's one too many. One's a problem? A huge problem. If I'm in the NFL? Yeah, you know they got kinfolk. And you I'll- know they got mom, pops, yeah. whole types of fam. That, that rat, you just saw that one rat. And also, you're going to have guys, think about it, you're on. A, you're talking about a football team. So some of these dudes are really, really big, right? But they can still be freaked out. Yeah! You get the wrong player freaked out by a rat, you're going to have a lot of your stuff broken. Now, some of them grew up in the country and may have seen rats, and they're not freaked out. Some of them may have grown up in, like, New York City or other cities that have a bunch of rats, and that's not going to freak them out. But there's enough of them that grew up in, like, a city environment and they're like 300 pounds, and you don't want them going crazy if they see a rat. Yeah, well, you know 
if I go in the country, you could get your mind right. Like, yo, I'm about to see some ish. Right. I, I can really see some stuff. I'm going to be on my P's and Q's, head on a swivel. Or if I'm in a New York subway. Yeah, if I'm in a New York subway, I right. can really see something. Not at an NFL facility, Chad. I'm walking into the facility. I'm yeah. trying to get taped and a rodent's jumping across the table and stuff. I can't have none of that. What? I can't be watching film trying to worry about Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs and I got rats running around. Yeah. Running around, snickering, eating cheese and stuff. I don't need that in my life. I got too much to worry about, Coach. I would think if you're at an NFL facility, there's two things you shouldn't be seeing every day. One, rats. Two, a receiver being thrown to in practice if he's got a broken hand. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I couldn't help it. I couldn't help it. I'm sorry. I apologize. I'm sorry. Longhorn fans, I'm sorry for that one. Oh, man. That was uncalled for. But I would just ask the question. What would people be doing to my Aggies today if this was their story? They'd be killing them. What would they be doing to anybody? Oklahoma, Clemson, Bama, anyone. If you found out from the head coach that half of last season, second half of last season, remember that receiver we threw to too much? Yeah. Remember that guy we always went to? Yeah. Remember the guy who had some troubles and had some drops? Yeah. Broken hand. God, that sounds bad when you put it like that. Wow. That's crazy. Like, I mean, I know Casey Kane had that brutal drop against Iowa State. I remember that. I remember screaming in my pillow when that happened. Right. Before I came over to do the post-game show with Cameron Parker, Buck, whoever it was that week. And even that right there, I'd still have confidence to throw him the ball a little bit more instead of go overly yeah. throwing to a guy with a broken hand. And that's the other th- I mean, the, the psychology of that, I'm a receiver. There's nothing more important to that situation than yeah. the 10 digits involved here. Yeah. How do oh, I, I feel about my hands? Yo, I don't know who made the ultimate decision for Savion Red, but if I'm Savion, I get it now. I get it. Yeah. They throwing this guy with a broken hand. I can't wow. get no touches. Like, remember Savion Reddick going crazy against Oklahoma State on the sideline? Mm-hmm. Like, what are we doing? Yeah. And like, he- if you know that your teammate who's getting all these looks has a broken hand and things aren't working... I'd be a little pissed off, too. Yeah, that is crazy. Somebody just texted, that's who's leading our team with exclamation points. Man, that's that's a crazy story. Texas, 40 days away from the spring game. Spring practice begins today with a bizarre bombshell that nobody saw coming. And Steve Sarkeesian served it up for the media and all you fans today. Very strange stuff. We'll continue to talk about that story. Also, let's get you a Flex 30 segment here. Two teams we wanted to face each other both ended up losing to the same team. Let's get you that story flex atx for the best high school sports coverage listen to the horn and go to flxatx.com flex 30 is brought to you by brain vault brain vault is a revolutionary and patented mouth guard that has been proven to help reduce the risk of concussion visit brainvault.com and join the movement all right so zay's done some detective work for all of you that might be wondering geez what's going on with san antonio brennan i know you guys said they were going to be taking on stony point they did beat stony point 57 43 and then they went on to play san marcus congrats to the rattlers for advancing past warren but then san antonio brennan lays it on san marcus 82 54 zay for the people wondering what does san antonio brennan have what do you have to tell them his name's kingston flemings <laughs> his name's kingston flemings and 
put up serious numbers against Stony Point and San Marcus. Against San Marcus, he had the 30 ball, and then he was given Coach Thompson's team, which hell of a season to Coach Thompson and the Stony Point Tigers. Definitely very proud of my dog, uh, Antoine. He did a terrific job. Mm-hmm. But, man, Kingston Fleming, who's just picked up an offer from uh, Jamie Dixon and TCU okay. today. So the offers are going to start coming in. Yeah. He's not ranked. He's only a sophomore. And the shots that he was hitting were unbelievable. Just Steph Curry range, the confidence. He was dunking the ball, getting into the paint. He's a good passer. And they got guys around him that could hoop too. So, yeah, shout out to San Antonio Brennan. They yeah. put on a performance in, in which they had the home court advantage because they're in San Antonio. Yeah, and they'll, have the, help. they'll have the home court yeah. advantage again this weekend when mm-hmm. they go to the Alamo Dome just with the city on their back. So that definitely helped. And, man, Kingston Fleming – I know Coach Terry, he we still don't know about what he what's gonna happen with him. And mm-hmm. I know the postseason's gonna determine that, but if he gets the job, I'd look at Kingston Fleming immediately because he's serious. So we're talking a sophomore again. So what's that class of twenty six, the sophomores right now? Uh, twenty five. Is that twenty five? Twenty five. Okay. Yeah. Man. Yo, I'll never forget Chad, which CC, I'm gonna talk about you a little bit, so your ears might be ringing if you ain't listening to the show. Mm-hmm. My sophomore year, Chad, we're playing against San Antonio Wagner. San Antonio Wagner, really good, best team out of San Antonio, 2007. They had a guy coming off the bench as a sophomore. I was 2008, excuse me, 2008. I was a junior. They had a guy coming off the bench by the name of Jordan Clarkson, who plays for the Utah Jazz now? Mm-hmm. Coming off the bench. Wow. Was not on the scouting report, CC. <laughs> I don't think I talked to CC for two weeks because I was so upset. Uh, Clarkson came in and gave us 25, Chad. Wow. Oh, again, not on the scouting report. Don't know anything about him. Dang. But showed out, and the star was born. Mm-hmm. I say it all the time. Like, we basically put Jordan Clarkson in the league by him giving us buckets and realizing, you know what? I can hoop. Uh-huh. I'm pretty damn good. And his career just took off from there. So there's guys that will surprise you that aren't ranked, that will have a coming out party kind of like Jordan Clarkson did. Obviously, he had a pretty good you know, tenure in the league for almost a decade. And then Kingston Fleming, that's the first thing I was reminded of because I kind of heard of Kingston Fleming this year, but not enough to truly pay serious attention to. Mm. I'm, I'm a believer now. now I see it. Attention. Now you got to okay. pay attention. Kingston Fleming? Flemings. Flemings. Yes. Kingston Flemings. Cool name, too. Yeah, King Flemings, that's what they call him. King. Oh, that's even better. San Antonio Brennan, one of the teams in the state semifinals, and uh, we'll see how that team ends up. That comes up this weekend, Friday, Saturday, uh, it, at the Alamo Dome, if you want to go down and check it out. We also had a couple of the local guys we were talking about last week in the Combine. Of course, Deuce Vaughn is a name everybody knows around these parts. Uh, Cedar Ridge product, Kansas State star. So it was officially 5-5-179. That's what the NFL is now recognizing from Deuce. Unfortunately, we didn't get to see him run that 40, but he went 35.5 on the vert, 9-8 on the broad jump, and in every drill, he looked like Deuce Vaughn. Jay, for people that watch Big 12 football, that's what they saw. Consistency, that flash, that fire, those feet. Uh, And if if he gets the right fit in the NFL, I think that's a weapon waiting to happen. 
Yeah, I mean, again, go to the tape. He shows really good vision. He did that Kansas State for three straight years. I mean, as a freshman, he came in and was already the starter and the main guy and the fan favorite to all those Manhattan fans up there. But he has really good stop and start ability. And I'm with him. You're five five. Don't show no, don't show that forty. Don't get it mixed up right there because he don't got those long strides like the Bijan Robinson would. So, so you'd have done the same thing. If I'm his height, if, he, if you're him, oh yeah, okay, oh yeah. So Go look at the tape. Y'all know I'm fast. Go look at the tape. They'll run it in Manhattan. Let him run it in Manhattan at a pro day. If he does that, uh huh. I mean, he, he. I think he's the type of guy when you get drafted for sure on the second and third day, you should maybe do a pro day. But yeah, I don't think he has to. Why not? Yeah, he might not. He may not. You never know. Uh, also, Zay, we talked about your guy, uh, your fellow Bowie Bulldog, Elijah Higgins. Going in, I was impressed. So he's 6'3", 235. He ran a 4.54. He went 35 vert, 10.6 on the broad jump. That's a freaky athletic guy, and I love the idea they threw out on NFL Network. Lean him more towards like a freaky tight end than a receiver. Yeah. See if he might be interested in something like – because this league is full of guys like that that are right in between – that are too athletic for a linebacker to deal with and they're too big for a corner or a, or a nickel to deal with or a safety to deal with, he's right in that area, man. He is a thoroughbred. When he takes off, those strides are impressive. He's not lightning quick, though, so maybe think about it in, in kind of you know some other routes. But I, I, thought he was, I thought he was good. Who was the Aggie receiver with three names that was a wide receiver that got converted to a tight end? Um... um Oh, jeez. Really um, tall. Yeah, big. yeah, Did yeah. he come out of Sealy? Oh, my God. I know who you're thinking of. Um, but he kind of gives me those vibes. Yeah. For some reason, I, all I can get in my head is the th- only three names in my head are the UCLA quarterback, DTR. That's all I can think yeah, I of. <laughs> Why can I not <laughs> think of know, anybody I'm talking about. else right this now? next time will let us know. Somebody's going to do it. But, but I, he was like around 6'5", and he was big, and he was really big coming out of high school, but... Yeah. Um, they just couldn't find a position for him. But I'm with that. You know, if you're somebody like Elijah, and he did well in the combine, just being at Stanford these last few years are brutal because his numbers do not stick out at all. Yeah, that's true. They have not been productive. Ricky Seals-Jones. Ricky Seals-Jones. Thank Jones. you. Thank you. All I could get was DTR in my head. Ricky Seals-Jones. That kind of guy. He's a li- Ricky would have been a little, probably a little bigger than that. Yeah, a little taller. But. The idea, yes. Thank you to the texters who let us know. We're, yeah, Ricky Seals-Jones is who we're thinking of. And I love those guys. I love those kind of right in between. Texas fans will remember uh, what was uh, Buckner's first name. What was that guy's name? Uh, uh, let's see now. I couldn't think of an Aggie, and I'm trying to think of a Longhorn. What chance do I have? I can't even do that. Um, but I think his last name was Buckner. The Longhorns had a nice flex receiver. It was a little bit of that same kind of thing, real physical receiver. Wasn't it? It was during. It was on the championship team, right? Longhorn fans will help me. We're just asking everybody to text us all the answers today. <laughs> this is really sad. Dan? 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 No, not that that his, sense. Not Dan Buckner. Yeah. What was his name? It was somebody. Somebody said Dan Buckner. Was that his name? I don't know. I remember yeah. Dan Buckner playing wide receiver. Maybe maybe I'm thinking of a different guy, but I I think that may be who I'm thinking of. Y'all know y'all know who I'm thinking of, but the, those guys <laughs> that are kind of right right in between what Evan Ingram has become in the league, mm-hmm. that kind of guy, a scary tight end that's got skills that aren't just tight end skills. So I'm interested to see if Elijah Higgins gets drafted somewhere. So there's your flex segment. We do it every day about one thirty. Congrats to those guys that went to the combine, and congrats to Stony Point 
and uh, San Marcos for really good uh, boys basketball seasons. Unfortunately, it ends before they get to the final four there at San Antonio. Brennan team looks really, really good, and Zay just told you why. Coming up, Zay will tell us where we're at in society, and we've got more basketball talk coming at 2.05. We'll get a national perspective on these Longhorns, on the Houston Cougars, and more with Scott Spinelli, the host of The Breakdown on the Believe Podcast Network. He's the former BC interim head coach, so he knows his ball. We'll ask him about the Longhorns and more coming up on The Horn. Chad and Zay. Very dramatic. Um, um, is it called Instruments of Destruction? Yeah. Sometimes it's a little, it's simple to figure those things out. Um, all right, so... Huh, instruments of Destruction. Oh, God, what's that band's name? Hang on. Dadgummit. Uh, not... Uh, Oh, the one that's in the documentary and way over the top, and the dude not. Uh, um, oh my God, it's not Thin Lizzy, but it sounds like that. What's the name? It's a great guess if I can come up with it, but I can't. I can't think of anything today. I've turned into an old man on a Monday. Tell me who it is. NRG, Instruments of Destruction, off of the 1986. Transformers animated movie soundtrack. Wow. NRG's the band? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's not who I was thinking of. NRG. I'm glad it wasn't the band I was thinking of. But, uh, all right. I didn't know there was a band called NRG off the Transformers soundtrack. Yeah. Look at you. Of course, our guy, Chris Bennett, knew it. He knew it? Yeah, he knew it. Of course he did. <laughs> well done, CB. NRG, Rat, The Cars, and Richard Marks is, uh, have gotten us started today. Thanks to Zay for all the great music. Thanks to you. Uh, yeah, there's Chris Bennett letting us know. 86 Transformers animated movie. You are sick, CB, for knowing that. <laughs> That means CB must be ready for this new Transformers movie. I think there's a new one hitting this summer. Damn. A lot of stuff out there. By the way, at some point, I don't know if it's a crap bag or whatever, but I did see Cocaine Bear. Oh, yo! Maybe I need to be breaking that down at some point. You do? My wife and I and the son of a buddy of mine. My buddy didn't want to see it. My buddy's wife refused to see it, but we wanted to see it, so we took their son. We took their teenager to go see it. Oh, man. It That's was, great. It was exactly what you'd expect it to be. It was It was funny. It was gross. It was, It was. yeah, it was what I was looking for. Yeah. Elizabeth Banks did a good job. It's a weird idea for a movie. No way everybody was sober making that movie. No chance. Now, I don't know if they were on Coke, but they were on something. They I were definitely her. on something. I love her. I love her, too, and the casting was great. And you'll re- you'll recognize, especially if you watch some HBO shows, you're gonna recognize some actors. It's Ray Liotta's last work, uh, so Aww, yeah. y- they give him a little love at the end, you know, in memory of um, of Ray. So yeah, there's some really really good stuff in there. Oh, I was a little Ice Cube. He's great. I love him though. I'm a I'm a he's a good actor. I'm a mark for O'Shea. So 
I, anything he's been in, he was in Long Shot with Seth Rogen. I thought he was awesome as the friend there. Everything, yeah, Charlie Theron was in that. That's a every, good one. Everything I've seen him in, I like. So I was going to dig that. He's good, and they just, you know, they find ways to to. It, the writing was really good, and there's just it. You almost hate yourself for laughing at what you're laughing at. But yeah, it's, they, they construct it the right way, and it's funny. It's funny. I'd tell you to go see it. Just make sure you know what you're going to see. You know what you're going to see. <laughs> it's a movie about a bear on coke, and not everybody in the cast survives. That's all I'm telling you. Shocker. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. There you go. Uh, yeah, so I did see Cocaine Bear. All right. Uh, we'll get to Scott Spinelli with some basketball thoughts coming up. Um, national perspective on the Longhorns and where they fit in right now in his bracket. Right now, let's go where are we at in society with Zay. Where are we at in society today? All right, Zay, what are we doing on this Monday? All right, Chad, so A.J. McCarron, he plays for the St. Louis Battlehawks. Uh, What's his team? You got it right. St. Louis Battlehawks. Here we go. You're back. Yeah, here we go. A.J. McCarron. Yeah, he's going to get it. This dude, after the game, had something to say about XFL officiating. Take a listen, Chad, Uh, and the people. uh Uh-oh. The league's got to come figure out a better way to get some of these calls right. Uh, and we, we had three to four times in the game where the refs came back to us and said, we missed that call and apologized, straight up apologized. And it was times where you can't miss those calls. Like keep one in the first half, keep our drive alive. They missed a call. Um, the intentional grounding on Jordan from right before they kicked the field goal one, he wasn't outside the pocket. There was no receiver around, and the ball didn't make it past the line of scrimmage. And so they come back. So either he's down, you rule him down, or it's intentional grounding. But they come back after and say, we missed that call. And my, my thing is, even, and I want to see the clip, but I think it was helmet to helmet at the end on fourth and 15. And then the dude power drives me at the end. Like, it's some of these things where we got to protect guys too. Like, and I'm not talking about just myself, like, but I just I think we can't come back on, on some of these plays and say hey and apologize and say that's our bad. Like that's things we got to get right. And and, and hopefully, um, I mean, we haven't had a defensive pass interference in three games. I've never played football in my entire life and not had one defensive pass interference. Wow. Who do you think you are, AJ McCarron? What do you expect? Chad, you literally just say you know what you're getting into by watching Cocaine Bear. If you're the quarterback for an XFL team, you should know. This ain't the best quality of officiating you're going to get. And then asking for the roughing the passer and helmet to helmet, you definitely ain't going to get much of that. I get protecting guys, but you got to separate yourselves from the National Football League. And by missing those calls, I do air quotes, missing those calls, you do that. So, AJ, I get it. You're, in, you're locked in. You're emotional about the game. You love football. I respect that about you. I, re- I definitely ragged on AJ a couple of weeks ago for crying. Mm-hmm. I still don't think he should have cried. That was a little bit much. But I could tell you love the game of football. I do respect that. But to come out and say something like this, this ain't the league. This ain't the National Football League where those things are valid. In the XFL – Everything that you just said, I'm over here like, so what? And is the game entertaining or not? You know what we're hearing here? I heard 
Bama entitlement is what I heard. You got yeah. on him earlier for this. This is where I'll get on him kind of for the Bama thing. That's what it is. You, you play at Alabama. You expect certain things. And his coach at Alabama is the master of that right there. Yeah. Of the occasional weird complaint to try to get calls and try to get stuff. That is funny. Yeah, that turned into a really physical game at the end. They had a brawl of sorts at the end of that game. They threw like three players out on the next to last play. They had a couple guys looking like they were, you know, the NWO back in the day. At oh, the, so you're telling me there's some bad at, apples in the, the XFL? Maybe. maybe. Oh, okay. Interesting. Maybe. I'm saying. Didn't that, know that. I'm saying there's some raw talent. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. Raw talent. Say that just needs to be just needs to be polished a little bit. Just needs to be polished. Uh, yeah, that that's pretty crazy. Uh, not only is there raw talent, but there is maybe yeah officiating crews. Although you recognize some officials if you're watching XFL games closely, you're seeing guys that you've seen in college in the NFL. They're taking these gigs too. But yeah, I don't know if I go that far after the game griping about situations. I watched the I watched a couple of the plays he's talking about. I did not see a helmet to helmet. On 4th and 15, but I'll admit, they showed us that play from outer space. They showed us that play from, like, <laughs> way, way. I never saw a close-up replay of it. Yeah. So my, my bad, AJ. Yeah, you, you called it perfectly. That entitlement just coming from Bama and <laughs> winning over there and playing in the National Football League for as many years as he did, it's, it's going to be a different game. Yo, you lucky you're not on some call-your-own-flags type stuff. You're lucky the Rock even giving y'all refs in the XFL. It's not like these guys are refing year-round. These guys are probably coming out of retirement, probably jump from UIL, refing no. high school straight to no. XFL. See, that's what I would tell AJ and you and anybody who's not watching all these games. They are actually guys you've seen before, and they got a system set up where they're communicating with Dean Blandino up in the booth, and they're trying to get all the calls right. And I mean, overall, the officiating, it's not – to me, it's not bottom-of-the-barrel stuff. I don't think it is either. But if I'm A.J. McCarron, I should know that, okay, this ain't the National Football League. Yeah. I should know what I'm getting myself into. And even in the National Football League, they probably ain't letting you know, man, our fault. We missed that one. Yeah. That's all me. My bad, dog. That's the other thing is, if, if he's right about that part, that's where the officiating crew doesn't need to keep coming back throughout the game. Be like, hey, that was the third one. My bad. <laughs> My bad. We're gonna get we'll get you back in that second half, AJ. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't start telling them over and over again what you missed. Just tell them to play the game. That be we, yeah. Don't we don't need a tote board. We don't need that kind of tote board of how many plays you're missing. All right, uh, coming up, let's get into some college basketball discussion. We'll get a national perspective on Texas, on U of H, and on some of the other big teams. Scott Spinelli of the Believe Podcast Network hosts the breakdown. We'll get his breakdown on where he thinks the bracket is and just how high does he think the Longhorn seed can be. Are they locked in at a two for him, or could they maybe creep into a one, depending on what happens this week? We'll get all that out there. Plus, if you're a Houston fan, we'll ask about the Cougars as well. Stay tuned. It's the Horn.